Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Odds Maker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! Hi, everybody. Mark Lawrence once again with Victor King, and we're going against the spread on this week's College and NFL football cards. And, Victor, if you can believe it, we're at just about the midway point of the college football season with week number six starting in the National Football League. Where does the time go? Absolutely, Mark. We're, what, a month and a half into the season, and we're pleased with our totals results. It was a Nice, uh, profitable weekend for us in terms of the over-unders. We're fortunate to have the college football totals up to 70% ATS on the season. And uh, we delivered, let me see here, four overs in the NFL over the weekend on Sunday and Monday. Those ended up going three and one overall. We're pleased with that. We wrapped things up with a really nice over-the-total in the Monday night game between the Chiefs and the Raiders, and that one worked out just perfectly for us. Whenever you have a big, big favorite and they take a double-digit deficit in the first half, that increases the pace of play for that team, and that's definitely what happened in that particular game. It ended up going over the total. So we're pleased with our totals results. And, you know, Mark, um, uh, on Wednesdays, I usually start doing the work for next week's playbook newsletter already. In regards to college football, the schedule doesn't look very good at all next week. <laughs> We've got a good schedule this week, that's for sure. But I couldn't even find, what, 14 or 15 games involving top 25 teams next week. But again, we're here to talk about this week in college football. Well, Victor, it's basically because this week hogged up all the good games, if you will. This is just a magnificent card as far as matchups are concerned with top right. 25 teams scoring off against one another. This is the kind of a Saturday where you want to have your VCR on and record these football games from start to finish because it is quite a handsome football card indeed on tap this weekend. Looking at last week's college football card, Victor, one of the things that I noticed on last week's card is that after the dust has settled here, we've got a total of 14 undefeated teams left in college football. That's not many, 14 at this stage of the football season here. The first 11 teams that are ranked in the AP poll all are undefeated. The other three teams right behind them would be TCU just on the outside looking in along with what I feel, Victor, are the two biggest surprises in college football this year that would have to be Syracuse and James Madison. What's your take, Victor, and my surprise teams on Syracuse and James Madison this season? Right, both of those teams, again, we welcomed the Dukes into FBS play uh, way back, what, about a month, five weeks ago, and here they are cracking the top 25 at number 25. A couple of other teams that uh, cracked the list that were not ranked the uh, week before were the Illinois, the Illini, the fighting in Illini, five and one. They were not ranked. They're number 24 now. Texas gets back into the top 25 as well with their four and two record. And as far as our dog and our favorite results, 
And nothing earth-shattering last week. Underdogs went 29-27 against the spread. Uh, Year-to-date, we're pretty much still basically straight down the middle in college football as underdogs are 156, 161, and 7 against the spread. It appears that the best situation, and this is out of our database, Mark, 12-2 uh, and two ATS so far this year, we're looking for college football underdogs playing off a loss. If they're taking on any sub-500 team who's off back-to-back -back losses of their own, there are four going this particular week in that 12-2 and two ATS situation. We will potentially look to grab the points with New Mexico State over New Mexico, with Virginia Tech plus the points against Miami, Akron plus the points against Central Michigan, and uh, finally Hawaii plus the points against Nevada. And again, those are four teams that qualify in that 12-2 and two ATS situation so far this season. If I can, really, really quickly, there are still two teams in college football that have yet to go under the total in a game this season. That would be Northern Illinois from the MAC Conference, who is now 6-0 and o to the over on the season. Wow. Northern Illinois games. 69, 70.0 combined points per game on the season. Also 5-0 and to the over this season are the Rice Owls. 61.8 combined points per game. There's a log jam of about 15 teams at 5-1 and over under on the season. And again, only two teams in college football that have yet to go over in a game. At 0-5 over under, that's zero overs, five unders. We see the Colorado State team from uh, the Mountain West Conference averaging only, what, 12 points per game, but allowing a lot, 35.6, 0 and 5 over under. And finally, a team that's doing it all on defense this year, that's the Michigan Wolverines, have yet to go over in a game as well. Zero overs, five unders, one tie for Michigan with that fantastic defense that's allowing only 11 points per game. That'll be interesting to see how Michigan fares against Penn State in one of the marquee matchups on this football card coming up this weekend. Those are two football teams that have won the yards in every game they played so far. And I'm going to guess, best guess, that defense is going to end up being the winner of that football game. The team that plays the best D will likely win that football contest. As far as the four teams that you outlined before, Victor, I got to say this. As you were naming the teams, I was reaching and trying to find a clothespin. Because <laughs> those are not very attractive teams, oh, okay. <laughs> to say the least. But you know something? It's not all about the attractiveness. This is not a beauty contest we're doing here. We're looking to ferret out the teams that have the best advantages going into those football games. So don't shy away from teams like that when we mention them. When Victor calls out those records or I, you know, or I bring up an ugly-looking dog, they're there for a reason. You either play those dogs or you don't play the favorite for sure in games like that. One other quick note before we switch over to the NFL side of things. There were, uh, last week, only three straight-up double-digit underdog winners on the college football card. And I mention that because what I generally like to do is to make a case to fade those teams the following week because they're still euphoric. They're living on a champagne high after pulling the rug out as a double-digit dog against their opponents. And if we can make the case... You know, meaning that uh, the team that we're going to use is not in a bad situation. They're not a bad football team, so forth and whatnot. Uh, I'll end up starting my search there at that beginning point. The three teams last week that did pull those double-digit upset underdog wins happened to be Texas State, 
Utah State and Arizona State. So when you begin your work this week, look and see if you can make cases to fade Texas State, Utah State, and Arizona State. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And Victor, let's switch it over to the National Football League side of things, where my first observation is there were not quite so many what I call inside-out stat games, where the teams that won the games generally won the stats in those football games. That's a little bit disappointing for me because I like to fade those teams that win phony games and play on those teams that played hard, won the stats, yet lost the football game. So, you know, that all shakes out in the wash in the end. We won't see quite as many of them that way this week. What did you see in the National Football League last week, Victor? Well, the two divisions that people were touting the most in the offseason – Obviously, the AFC West division, in which a lot of people thought that maybe three, maybe even four teams in that division would make the playoffs, and another division would be the AFC North division. Well, guess what? In the AFC North division, only one team's over 500 for the year. That's the Baltimore Ravens at three and two. Everybody else is below 500. And the same case is true in the NFC West division where we've got the 49ers at three and two, but three teams at two and three. And then, of course, in that AFC West division, you got the Raiders one and four. You got Denver two and three, Chargers three and two. And, of course, the Kansas City Chiefs at four and one. Those are some of the surprising things, given all the uh, hoopla and fanfare that we heard in the offseason. Uh, overall, it was a good week for the underdogs last week in the NFL. 10-5-1 against the spread overall. But unlike previous weeks, Mark, it was actually the divisional underdogs that really, really cleaned up last week as they went a perfect 6-0 and against the spread. Divisional underdogs. On the year, it's been all about the doggies. They're now 45-30-4 against the spread. And that's 60% on the blind for every single NFL underdog. We're still on a really nice two-year run in which those non-division road dogs of less than 10 points have gone now 65 and 40 against the spread, 62%. There you go in terms of last week's underdogs, Mark. What else you got for us in terms of the uh, pro football action? Well, what, what I see this week, Victor, is the first week, as you know, of the bye weeks. They start this week with four teams taking a rest, a, a breather this particular week. So it shortens up the NFL football card. And it also adds a little bit more intrigue to our handicapping because not only can we begin to evaluate what teams are like in situations coming off a bye, but also what they're like in situations before a bye. And you'd be surprised if you look at teams that way from that perspective of how teams perform when they know they've got a breather up on deck next week. So get out your Playbook Preview Guide magazine, scope out those teams that are on a bye next week, and uh, put them out, I say factor them into your arsenal for your ammo for this particular handicapping card. One quick note here, Victor, uh, from our good friend Jeff Kabasiak, the guitar man up in Edmonton. He drops a note to us again this week, and uh, you know we love Jeff's comments because they're always spot on. We love to comment, and we agree upon them most of the time. And I got to tell you what, Victor, this week, I agree with him again this week. And what Jeff basically said is something needs to be done about these boneheaded coaches' decisions in the National Football League. They're bordering on insane these days. And I know we talk about this and we keep ranting and raving about these coaches and their new analytical approaches to the game. But my goodness, last week in the Cleveland Brown L.A. Chargers football game, you had two head coaches in Kevin Stefanski and Brandon Staley 
that went for first downs from their own territory each failed both times. The Chargers took advantage of Stefanski's boneheaded move and kicked a field goal. Staley, incredible late in the game when he should just punt the ball away, play a little bit of defense for the final minute and win the game. He goes for it and gives the Browns an opportunity to kick a game-winning field goal. There's no justification. I don't care what you say about analytics and how you're handicapping. Vince Lombardi would be rolling over in his grave watching these football games, the way they're being managed by these coaches on the sidelines here. And I think the killer aspect about the Browns, Victor, is the fact that not only did they allow the Chargers to kick that field goal on that on that questionable decision on that fourth down, the Browns lost by two points in the game. You don't let the Chargers kick the field goal. The Browns walk away with a win in that football game. So you can say what you want about analytics. It comes down to common logic, I think, is what it really comes down to. And I know there's a lot of people that may or may not disagree with me, but hey, that's my stance, and I'm sticking to it, like the phrase goes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Mark, you said it. Jeff said it. It kind of seems like the Chargers and the Browns are two NFL franchises that, like, they can't get out of their own way. I'm shocked that that game didn't end in some, like, weird uh, drop kick or a tie ending. (laughs) Some bizarre, yeah. (laughs) Or something like that. But, you know, Mark, before we head into our college game of the week, we got to talk about the newsletters. All three of them. Playbook, Midweek Alert, Totals Tip Sheet Newsletter. Playbook having a fantastic season. The midweek alert newsletter. Mark, this thing is so hot, I can't even hold it anymore. (laughs) Do you realize that in the three issues we've put out so far for the midweek alert newsletter, there's been no losses in Mark's three best bets as of yet. Eight wins, zero losses, one tie. That's a hell of a way to start the midweek alert newsletter. And again, as I mentioned, Total's tip sheet had a good weekend last week as well. You know, Mark, we've got that special going at the website, playbooksports.com, where the cover price for all three newsletters is $38. But get all three of each week's newsletters bundled together, special price, just $25 for all three. It's definitely the way to go if you have that required information in front of you, all three of our Playbook Football newsletters. Well, we call it the three for a quarter special, Victor. It's probably the best quarter that you'll spend on an upcoming football card each and every week. And let me also say one more thing before we move on to that college football game of the week. We have a super special on that Red Hot Midweek Alert newsletter here. And on the newsletter, the midweek goes for $149 for the season. Right now, we're doing a special upgrade, just $49 We'll get everybody the midweek through the Super Bowl. That's just one fantastic special offer. And you want to top it all off, included in your midweek subscription, will be a copy of the Playbook College Bowl Stat Report. That alone is worth $25. So for $49, you can get the best statistical information on the planet, the Playbook Midweek Alert Newsletter. Check it out online at playbooksports.com or give the office a call toll-free at 1-800-PLAYBOOK it might be the best move you'll make this football weekend. And with that, Victor, let's hop over to the college football side of things. And boy, oh boy, what a blockbuster of games we've got on tap this weekend. We mentioned it at the opening of the show, about so many top 25 matchups of teams pairing up against one another here. We're going to do a college football 
uh, kind of conference rivalry, if you will, of sorts this particular week when Clemson takes on Florida State in the ACC. This is a big showdown game between two teams with a lot of ramifications inside this game. Victor, how do you see the Tigers and the Seminoles shaking out on Saturday? Well, if you ask me what is the biggest game of the week, it's probably the Alabama-Tennessee game. But number one, we just covered Alabama last week in that game against Texas A&M that literally went right down to the wire. And uh, it's time to talk about the Clemson-Florida State ACC game, particularly with we don't know if Alabama's starting quarterback will even be going in that particular game against that stud quarterback uh, and then hooker of the Tennessee Volunteers. But let's get to the ACC, Mark, and we've got a nationally televised game, uh, ABC TV, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, down here in the Sunshine State, number four, Clemson, taking on uh, Florida State at Tallahassee. It looks like some of the action is swinging the way of the home underdog as Clemson opened up a a five-and-a-half-point road favorite, and they're down to to three-to-three-and-a-half as we record the podcast here on Wednesday afternoon in terms of the over-under line. It opened 51 and a half. Hasn't moved too much. It's down to about 51. It's come down about a half point. So based on the point spread and the over-under line, the implied score in this game is Clemson right around 27.5, Florida State right around 24.0. And I think we're going to make a decent enough case to at least consider the over in this particular game, Clemson is three and three over under on the season. Florida State only two and four over under. We will note, however, that the series between these two teams has been pretty high scoring as of late. The last five meetings have gone three overs, only one under, one tie. The average line between these two has been 52.1, average score of 58.8. Average margin, plus 7.7 points per game. So the average game has gone over and by more than a touchdown as well. And in fact, the last four played in Tallahassee between Clemson and Florida State have actually averaged a whopping 66.5 points per game between these two teams. The good thing about Clemson is the offense is back up to good levels, 39.3 points per game for Clemson after a very, very subpar 2021 season. And we can probably thank quarterback uh, DJ Wiangaluli for that improvement as their offense is up to 400. Could you you spell that for me, please? I can't spell. All I have is the pronunciation of uh, DJ Wiangaluli. Very good. (laughs) So I can't spell it, but at least I got the pronunciation right. Yes. Now they're up to 439 yards per game on offense and 255 passing yards per game. And that's a 65-yard improvement from last season. Uh, Not only that, but, you know, the Clemson defense, it's not quite as dominating as the last four or five years, as they've already had three out of five games in which they allowed 20 or more points on this season. Of course, Florida State is led by dual threat quarterback Jordan Travis. He comes in with a quarterback rating of 153.8 on the season. And that's even better than DJ Wiangaluli uh, uh, as well. He's led the Seminoles to 390 or more offensive yards in every single game this season. Their average is actually 481. 
So, you know, with a low point spread in this game, we're down around a field goal now. We could very easily see one of those typical ACC conference back-and-forth shootouts, maybe even a, you know, last-team-with-the-ball-wins kind of game. Uh, right now, we're going to pass, but I'm going to continue to monitor the over-under line move in the game, Mark. If it creeps down anymore, like... Uh, 50 and a half or less points, we'll probably make a small play on the over to perhaps enhance our national TV viewing pleasure. Our database models point to a score somewhere around Clemson 34, Florida State 24. So if I can get a line in which I win, if both teams combine for 51 or more points, that's what I'm looking for right now, Mark. We'll pass for now monitor and track the line move, make a small play in the over once it gets to 50 and a half or less. Victor's in on the over 51 and a half points in the football game or 51 points. He'll wait patiently to see if he gets his number. You should too when you make a play on this football game. As far as the side in this contest goes, uh, this is a football game with the Clemson Tigers sitting at 4-0 atop the Atlantic Division in the ACC. Florida State sits there at 2-2, two two, two full games behind Clemson. You got a Clemson football team that's uh, number one undefeated, who's won six games in a row. Florida State limps in here off two losses in a row. Now, normally, I'd be making a case for a dangerous dog like Florida State in a situation just like this, a winning team that's off back-to-back losses, taking on an undefeated football team that could be a little bit fat and sassy. But you look inside the history books here, you'll see Clemson's won six games in a row inside this series here, and Florida State. As a home dog inside this series, they've lost eight straight times in a row, only beat the point spread twice. I've been in Clemson since the start of the football season here. It's been my belief that this team will be in the college football playoffs. I'm not going to get off that ride right now that we're enjoying with the Clemson Tigers here until they completely blow our theory, our thought to smithereens. And remember this, guys. Florida State blew a big lead against NC State last week. They were up 17-3 to at the half, and they ended up losing the game 19-17. to That's demoralizing for a football team because if they do what they're supposed to do, play a little bit of defense and win the football game, we're not talking on a football team that's on a two-game losing streak. Instead, they're on a one-game win streak. That being the case in a situation like this, small lean to me to Clemson, not a real big side, but just a small lean to me to Clemson if I play this football game. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And Victor, let's hop over to the National Football League side of things, if you will, and take a look at our NFL game of the weekend. I got to say, Victor, it just flat mm-hmm. out simply doesn't get any better than this. It's the Buffalo Bills taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. And if we can only get anything remotely close to what we had last year when these two teams met in the playoffs, I don't think, Victor, I've seen a more exciting football game in my life than that game was last year. When it went into overtime, I mean, my goodness, uh, who did not get their money's worth in that game? Let me ask you that question, Victor. Boy, oh, man, you got that right. What an exciting game that was. We were on the over in that playoff game. We were fortunate to win with that kick-ass high-scoring fourth quarter and overtime in that game as well. You know, some will argue that perhaps Dallas-Philadelphia is the NFL game of the week. Eh, I don't see it. They've got two overachieving teams there. This is the true NFL game of the week. The weather looks pretty good in Kansas City for the week. We're somewhere around 
oh, 68 to 75 degrees, the winds 10 miles per hour and less. And in regards to the point spread, uh, the game opened around pick. We're, we are seeing Buffalo a surprising road favorite in this game, two and a half to three points. I say surprising because, you know, when was the last time that Kansas City was an underdog, let alone a home underdog? In terms of the over underline, it opened at 53 and a half. We're right around 54.0 as we record the podcast on Wednesday afternoon. I would not be surprised if this game gets up to 55, maybe even 56 by the time we get to a kickoff on Sunday. But uh, right now, we are right around 54.0 points. Now, on the season, Buffalo comes in actually a very, very good under team. They've gone one over four unders on the season. Average line in Buffalo games, 49.5. Average score, only 42.6. That's combined points per game. Average margin in Buffalo games, minus 6.9. And in fact, Buffalo's only over this year was that Monday night game against Tennessee, a game that only went over by a half a point. So they're basically a point away from going 0-5 over under on the season. They would join two additional teams who are also 0-5 on the season in regards to over-under numbers. Kansas City, you know what you're getting. Again, we told you that that we played the over in the Monday night game against the Raiders, and we're fortunate to come away with a winner. On the year, the Chiefs are 3-2 over under. Average line, 51.2. Average combined points, 56.8. Average margin, plus 5.6. So it kind of cancels out or negates Buffalo's strong under numbers. Again, uh, you mentioned last year's playoff game, Mark. They also played each other in the regular season. Both of last year's meetings went over the total, 58 and 78 combined points. And don't forget the playoff game in 2021 between these two teams also went over the total as well. Again, in Kansas City, 62 total points scored in that one. So the last six meetings between these two teams in Kansas City, five overs, only one under. Uh, Average margin plus 5.5 points per game. Again, with Buffalo laying points on the road, we will point out that in the last two seasons, they've actually gone zero overs, four unders as non-division road faves. The question for Buffalo is, is their defense for real? They're only allowing 12.2 points per game on the season. Caution with that, however, because those were against some dysfunctional offenses, Tennessee, L.A. Rams, Pittsburgh Steelers. So their numbers on defense, a little bit this evening. And, of course, they still have some uh, major injuries in terms of their defensive backfield as well. Of course, Casey is in that rare role as an underdog and at home to boot. We will note that in their last 11 games as a home underdog, they have actually gone nine overs. Only two unders. Uh, A couple of queries from the database, Mark. For instance, the first thing I have to query, obviously, is the fact that we've got a really high over-underline in this particular game. But with that said, in the AFC conference, conference games in week four or greater with a high over-underline of 53 or more points, 
have actually gone eight overs, only one under in the last three seasons. Oh, wow. So that usually tells me, Mark, that the over-under line in these particular games in the AFC Conference is certainly justified. Uh, again, I mentioned that Kansas City Monday night game against the Chiefs, excuse me, against the Raiders. Uh, NFL teams playing at home off a Monday night division home game, like the Chiefs, have actually gone 7-1 and one to the over in the last four seasons. We've got the fact that Buffalo really beat up on the Steelers last week. Uh, NFL road teams off a home win of 35 or more points, like the Bills, have gone 15-3 and three over under. 15 overs, 3 under since 2015. And then finally, last year, uh, NFL teams went 7-1 and one to the over off a straight-up win in which they scored 35 or more and allowed 10 or less, like Buffalo did last week when they completely dismantled the Steelers, but only when the OU line in these games is 54 or less points. Now, Mark, even though there's not a lot of value in this game, for me it's going to be a small play on the over, but again, you're going to want to get in as soon as possible because there's a really good chance that the line shoots up another point or two by the time we get to our Sunday afternoon kickoff. Victor says, if you play the total, play it now. Look to the over in the football game before it gets even higher from kickoff time on Sunday. And Victor, you mentioned this high total. And it reminds me when I was young, just getting started in this business. And I happened to meet a local bookmaker. And we were talking a little bit about the lines in the football games. And there was a couple of teams that were favored in games. They were big, big favorites. And I asked him, I says, why are these teams favored by so many points? And he said to me, they're there for a reason, kid. So, <laughs> you know, like you mentioned the total, it's up there for a reason. It sure is. It's, it's, it's up there for a reason. So just remember that when you look at numbers that look a little bit off, the odds makers do know what they're doing, and they are there for a reason. Let's take a look inside this football game. And we mentioned that monster revenge, obviously, from that marquee game last year for the Buffalo Bills. But I'm going to point out this fact here. Number one, in Buffalo, you have what I call public enemy number one. They are the most popular team in the National Football League that the public wants to get their hands on and can't get enough of. They're, they're appeasing. They look pleasing to the eye. They put points in the scoreboard and they cash tickets. That's that's the formula for betting square public favorites in football games, even to the point where, remember this, last year when Kansas City took this team out in overtime here at Arrowhead, Kansas City was a two-and-a-half-point home favorite in the football game. And here we are now, just another month past the season, beginning here now, and Buffalo comes in the two-and-a-half-point favorite in this football game. One key little note, nice stat from our Black Book, which is a very popular publication. It's loaded with 100% perfect winning trends and angles. Buffalo Bills are just 1-12 to the spread in the second quarter of the season. Second quarter of the season means games from number five through eight. If they have a 500 or better record and they're coming off a straight-up an ATS win, 1-12, that's a heavy number for Buffalo to have to overcome in a contest like this. Victor talked about the rare role for the Kansas City Chiefs as an underdog here. In the database, my coach's database, which I rely on heavily, Andy Reid in his career as an underdog off back-to-back -back wins, he is 28-9-1 and one against the spread. He's been at home five times in those roles. He's gone 4-0-1 oh, against the spread. You've got a Kansas City football team that has really played well against the AFC East 
seven of the last eight games were wins for Kansas City and six point spread covers. And in fact, when you catch Kansas City as a home underdog against an opponent coming off a win of 20 or more points, and remember Buffalo blasted Pittsburgh last week, Kansas City home dog opponent off a win of 20 or more, how about 20 and five against the spread for Kansas City in this role? One closing, I guess you would say, argument for the Kansas City Chiefs in this football game is Patrick Mahomes, the quarterback. We know this is the marquee matchup, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, but there's one thing Patrick Mahomes has never done in his life, and that's lose as an underdog in his NFL career. He's been a dog nine times. He's won the money all nine times. You're dressing up a real good football team as an underdog here, and I think that'll bring the best out of the Kansas City Chiefs. I'll play them plus the points against Buffalo for my side in this football game on Sunday. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. It's time to hop out to Las Vegas for one of our favorite segments as we visit with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Andy, I hope you had a good week last week, and I hope everything's going well for you this football season. Well, Mark, everything is going well. It's unfolding nicely. We are now approaching midseason in the colleges and not too far away from midseason in the NFL. We're starting to learn a little bit more about the identities of, uh, of of these teams, how they respond in certain situations, how they struggle in others, uh, trying to gauge when they're going to have an above-average performance or a below-average performance. And we're getting more information each week that lets us know a little bit more about the character of these teams uh, that we can use going forward. Well, terrific, Andy. I'm glad to hear everything's going well in Las Vegas this week. Uh, as we mentioned at the beginning of the football show here, we're closing, getting close to the halfway point in college football. And we will now have, we'll be not, not nearing a halfway point in the National Football League, but my goodness, here it is mid-October, and the time is just flying by. And speaking about flying by, Andy, I know these contests in Las Vegas, there's a lot of interest in these contests here. And this is new for all of our video cast viewers of the podcast. If you're listening to the podcast on SoundCloud or via, via whatever uh, source you use for podcasting, you'll hear the show. But if you're watching it on our video cast, you'll be able to see Andy, Victor, and myself on the show. And in addition to that, as we begin to review these contest results with Andy Isco, we're going to be putting up on screen a lot of what Andy would be talking about so you can see for yourself, see for your own eyes, exactly what's going on in these contests in Las Vegas. And what do you see, Andy? Let's kick it off with the Westgate Superbook, the classic contest. What do you see? I see right now that uh, looking at, uh, at the sheet here, it's looking like uh, 16 and five. Is that correct for me? Or 15 and five, 75% overall in the consensus so far? Uh, 17 and eight. 15 so and 5 was the consensus record coming into uh, this past week. Okay. Uh, that was uh, through week four. In fact, uh, we are now, uh, this week, week six, we're used to thinking of football uh, season in terms of quarters, but week six will mark the one third point of the way through the season. That's how quickly this season is going. And yes, in the Super Contest uh, Classic, 1,598 entries competing for uh, 30 places, plus several uh, in-season contests. And we take a look each week at what the most five popular, uh, the five most popular selections, how they fared. And that 15 and five was 75% coming into this week. And uh, 
believe it or not, even though the consensus was two and three, the percentage actually did have to go down. Uh, the two winners this week were the second and third most popular selections, the Cowboys and the Browns, and the losing selections, the top selection, uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks, uh, the Baltimore Ravens, and the uh, Seattle Seahawks, which uh, uh, seemed to be covering for a good part of that game, but ultimately gave up that touchdown that ended in a, a seven-point Seattle loss, getting five-and-a-half points. So two and three for the week, 17-8 uh, with no pushes for the season. That's a 68% winning percentage of the consensus plays. That is very, very strong. And uh, through the first uh, five weeks, we have one contestant in the lead at 21-3-1. That's 21.5 out of a possible 25 points. You get a point for a win, a half point for a push. That's 86.0% outstanding. And two more contestants uh, just a little bit behind that. They are 21 4 and 0 oh, and uh, that works out, uh, as I say, 84%. Those are the leaders in the uh, Super Contest Classic. And now we've got the uh, Super Contest Gold. That's the $5,000 winner-take-all. This attracted only 80 entries this year, which is, I think, the lowest since the contest uh, was established uh, because there's so many contests here now, so many options that people uh, spread their money around. There's only going to be one winner here, but they're going to get $400,000 as a nice prize. We don't go through the consensus on this one, right? I don't dwell on that at all uh, because there's just so few uh, entries that, uh, you know, the leading uh, consensus might have 26 selections on it out of the 80 contestants. But I will go over uh, the two leaders in the contest. There's one contestant at 19.5-1, as the chart indicates, 78%, and a uh, second contestant just behind at 18.6-1, which is 74%. So uh, right now, uh, almost a quarter of the field are hitting over uh, 65% in that uh, uh, short uh, uh, short field contest. Andy, what do we see over at the Golden Nugget? Tony Miller, my good friend, the sportsbook manager at the Golden Nugget, a great guy. And if ever you're in Las Vegas, you have to stop by and say hello to Tony. They just don't come any nicer than Tony Miller. What do you see at the Golden Nugget going on at this point? Yeah, the Golden Nugget is a a unique contest in that it combines college and pro football, all the games on the board, sides only, no totals, as is the case with the Westgate and Circa contest. Those are sides only, no totals. Uh, And uh, there are seven Seven selections per week against a static point spread. In fact, it's an er, it's one of the earliest uh, point spreads that comes out for these contests because it comes out on Wednesday afternoon Pacific time. Uh, the Westgate contest contest lines come out about 5 p.m. Pacific, and the Circuit contest lines come out Thursday morning around 10 a.m. Pacific. So these are the earliest lines, and they get a little stale. And the uh, betters, the handicappers, the contestants take uh, take a whack at them. In fact, that was the reason why they eliminated totals from the contest in the gold nugget uh, after about a year or two because so many people, especially when it came to middle-late season weather issues, were playing a line that may have been in the contest at 52 and a half and now on the betting board, bad weather has moved that line down to 49. Everybody was playing under the 52 and a half. Didn't always work, but worked more often than not. And we and, and they wanted this to be more of a handicapping contest and less of a play the numbers contest to any great degree. And again, because it combines college and pro, there are a lot of very savvy college football handicappers and betters in this contest where they can basically play college games only and then have to deal with one or two weeks late in the season where there's a very limited college schedule, maybe uh, the final week or two of the regular season and then uh, the sporadic bowl game. So in the contest, uh, we really can't provide any consensus picks because, again, there are about 
75 games to choose from when you combine college and NFL. But I can report on the leaders. Through the first uh, five weeks of the season, they made a total of 35 uh, selections. Uh, the leader, there are two of them who had uh, who have 25 points. Again, uh, a win, a point for a win, half point point for a push. So 25 points works out to an equivalent of 71.4%, which is a very healthy percentage through 35 picks. But right on their tail is another contestant at 24 and a half points, 70%. And as the chart shows, it goes down uh, rather incrementally uh, from that point. This contest, another reason I think it may not attract a lot of entries, it has, I think, 128 this year, uh, is that uh, they only pay the top 20 places, uh, which makes it much more difficult. But then again, with a field of 128 as opposed to a field of 1,700 or 1,600 in the Westgate or 4,700 in the Circa, gives you a better chance to cash. Yes, it does. There's, so there is some value to playing in the Golden Nugget contest. Maybe not for as much money, but nonetheless, value. And that's what it's all about, especially in Vegas, value and playing advantage of those numbers. How about the Circa Millions contest, Andy, where we stand through week number four? It looks like, once again, the consensus is holding up in the Circa as well. Yeah, this is the granddaddy of the contest right now. I mentioned about 1600 for the Westgate. This contest has drawn 4691 and why that's a significant number is the pr overall prize pool for this contest is guaranteed at $6 million. So they needed at the circus 6,000 entries to cover the uh, funding of the prize pool, and they came up about $1,300,000 short. So uh, the circuit is contributing that $1,309,000, to be precise, to bring it to that $6 million guarantee. So that represents a significant overlay for the contestants, part of the reason why, even though they didn't meet the guarantee, they still got uh, you know, a bit under 5,000 contestants. Same format as the uh, Westgate Super Contest and Super Contest Gold. You make five picks a week against the static points spread. Uh, through four weeks, the consensus, a very solid 13 and 7, 65%. And this past week, the consensus went 3, 1, and 1. Uh, selections 2, 3, and 4, Cowboys, Titans, and Bengals. Uh, covered their point spreads. Uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks did not. That was the one loser. And the Browns in this contest, were plus two and of course uh, that missed field goal at the end let the game fall on Chargers winning by two so that was a push bringing the results for the week to a solid three one and one and for the season 16 eight and one that's 66 percent through the first five weeks and as the chart indicates the leader in the contest has 21 out of a possible 25 points that's good for 84 percent three yeah. more contestants right behind at 20 and a half at 82 percent and I'll mention third place, six contestants at 20 points. That's 80%. So you can see from the, ch the chart that pays the top 100 places, we go down to 85 contestants at 72%. So we're looking at uh, over 150 contestants out of the 4691 who are hitting 72% uh, through the first five weeks of the season. We expect it to go down, but you know, there are always going to be outliers when you have that many entrants, and uh, it's going to be an exciting contest to follow down the stretch. As I mentioned, 100 people get paid, and much like the Westgate, though, in the different formats, they also have mini contests throughout the season, and in fact, uh, this week, the uh, mini contest uh, is in the second week of the second quarter uh, mini contest. Well, it sounds like 72%. I mean, my goodness, that's usually good enough to win the contest each and every year. Has we been have, for most years. Yes, exactly. We have an abundance of people there right now. I expect that to come back. We know, Andy, things do return to the norm. And most likely the winner of this, will the winner hit 70%? Maybe. 
uh, but we won't see as many people at 70%. That's almost assured. How about I'd the, like to, I'd like to see an offshore place put up a proposition. Will the winner of, let's say, the Westgate Super Contest, the winner of the Circle Millions, will the winner have better, 70% or better? Because you know, these places far away, you can bet on that stuff. Yes, you can. You can't do it in Nevada because it's not being played on the field. <laughs> but uh, as you mentioned, it could happen offshore. That would be nice to see something like that. How about in the popular survivor contest, Andy, here? Uh, I know that what we started out with and what we have left now is quite a gap in between. And there were some surprises, to say the least, last week as well. Yeah, as a matter of fact, this has uh, now become the most popular contest amongst the high-end contests here in uh, Nevada. Uh, 6,133 entries at $1,000 each. Uh, winner take all or winners take all if there are ties. It's a 20-week contest because Thanksgiving weekend is split into uh, two, uh, two separate uh, contest weeks, as is Christmas. Uh, that weekend as well. So 20 opportunities. You can only pick a team once and it's straight up, not against the spread. So that means if you end up going through the contest unbeaten, you will have you will have picked a total of 20 of the 32 teams and not uh, needed to use uh, the uh, remaining 12 teams. And uh, as again, 6,133 entries. Let them uh, enable Circa to just go over the guarantee of it. $6 million prize pool. So no overlay here, but not that much of an underlay with only 133 con uh, contestants uh, in excess of the minimum needed. And through four weeks of the contest, only 1,222 contestants remained, meaning that uh, uh, over uh, almost 5,000 contestants had been eliminated in the first four weeks of the NFL season. And then just to put that in percentage, just a shade under 20% still remained going into uh, week number five. And in week number five, uh, the uh, top pick, the Jacksonville Jaguars, with 449 of those 1222, uh, was a loser. The Packers were the second most popular tick, uh, pick for the straight-up uh, pool as far among the teams that lost. Uh, they had 48 entrants uh, uh, th that lost. Uh, the uh, number, they were actually that was actually the sixth most popular pick. Two, three, four, and five all won with the Bucks, Vikings, Bills, and 49ers. Overall, for the uh, season for the week, five. 104 of the 1222 were eliminated, leaving just 718 contestants remaining. That's 11.7% of the original field, which when you do the math, it means a little over 88% of the field has been eliminated less than one third of the week into the season. You know, one important thing to remember, Andy, in these contests is you can only use a team one time. So people might ask themselves, you know, why on earth would people settle for Jacksonville when you had the likes of Buffalo maybe even Minnesota in Green Bay who went down. Yours truly on the Green Bay Packers and a knife in my heart in that football game. But, you know, why not use the Buffalo Bills? Well, part of that reasoning is because they may well have used Buffalo or they're looking to save Buffalo, one or the other. So and it, hence, by default, Jacksonville became the consensus pick last Well, th that's one of the thoughts. And also the thought was you know, Jacksonville is playing a winless Houston team. You may not have any other opportunity opportunity this year to use a quote-unquote bad team except when they're playing another quote bad team and that was the thinking I think of a lot of people that Jacksonville would not uh, unless they all of a sudden went on a run and they played well early on but they also struggled in a couple of their games and the thought was that you won't get a chance to play Jacksonville you won't want to take a chance with Jacksonville later in the season let's use them now again it's a team that they should defeat. But as we all knew, as we all know for years and years, and I still consider Jacksonville a bad team with potential. They're still a bad team. When two bad teams meet, 
one bad team has to win. And that's why the Texans also were a popular play in these contests uh, against the spread, getting seven points from a team that has difficulty winning, especially when they're expected to win. And that was the case with Jacksonville. And so, uh, as I, I as I indicated, uh, over, uh, uh, what was it, over 400 people went out with a pick on Jacksonville that I'm guessing they probably regret. And I don't want to accuse them of this, but the uh, common thought might be they just outthought themselves. Well, they could well have done just that, especially knowing afterwards that they've lost eight straight games to the Houston Texans in a row now. Uh, not That's that like it, Jacksonville's domination over this week's opponent, Indianapolis, including a 24 not This is the first revenge game of the season coming up. Yes, they beat yes. Indianapolis uh, 24-0 early. So that'll be an interesting we'll – inter- I'll be interested to see how that – game unfolds that may be the most difficult game at least for me on the board this week to pick well safe to say that will not be andy's play on the show this week and we hope you enjoyed our overview on the screen on our video cast of the selections from las vegas and the rundown and you get a little more detail of exactly what's going on when you view it online or i should say on your video cast uh from andy isco and our producer greg great job putting all that together for us on the show this week we'll be doing that each and every week Moving forward, by the way. And with that, Andy, how about your complimentary play on the football card last week? I know you had a tough loss last week with the Washington Commanders. And I'm also, uh, if you will, bellying up with you because (laughs) I was with you on the very same play. And it uh, kind of one of those knifing losses when you lose it, uh, like um, maybe the last play of the game right at the goal line. But nonetheless, uh, what are you looking at for this week? Yeah, and I was very uh, intrigued by Coach Ron Rivera's explanation after the game. I forget what he was asked. It was something along the line of, of what what's causing your team to struggle offensively. And he basically said, quarterback. Quarterback. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so that was very interesting. We'll see what happens this week uh, with uh, Washington playing actually tomorrow night, the short uh, week at, at Chicago. I'm going to look at the game between Atlanta and uh, San Francisco. Uh, San Francisco, uh, well, their their season has unfolded nicely. They won that ugly game in the rain at Chicago. Uh, they won at they lost at Denver eleven to ten, and then they won last week at the Panthers thirty seven to fifteen in a game that cost uh, Matt Rule his job as coach of the Panthers. And part of the reasons, and it's very unusual to hear this coming, men, but he felt his team was listless, listless, and didn't really come to play against San Francisco. The game was actually a competitive game uh, into the uh, uh, second half, and then just Carolina just decided uh, that they'd had enough. Uh, there are two, uh, uh, two other games this year. They won nightly at home, 27-7, to and then the Monday night game a couple of weeks ago, uh, they uh, uh, defeated the Rams rather handily. Meanwhile, Atlanta, uh, this is a team that's 2-3, and three, but if you look at the way this team has played this year, they opened the season with that uh, one-point come-from-ahead loss to the uh, New Orleans Saints. Uh, they then go into the Rams. They're getting manhandled, and yet they come back. They didn't quit. 31-27, they lost, easily covering uh, that point spread. Then they go up to Seattle in a back-and-forth game in which they were underdogs. They win that one, 27-23. The following week against Cleveland at home, they win 23-20 uh, late in, the, in another very competitive game. And last week, again, Tampa Bay, uh, down 21 nothing in the fourth quarter. Yeah, we had that call against Tom Brady and all that, which is a subject for a different show, and uh, maybe with more discussion about being reviewable, that and what happened Monday night in the Raiders game, uh, we may see some rule changes, but unfortunately it won't do much good this year unless the NFL does something out of character and makes it reviewable during the season rather than during the offseason uh, for next year. But again, uh, 21 nothing, they're down, they come 
back to rally to make it 21-15. Maybe they could have had an opportunity to win the game. Maybe they would have won the game. We don't know because uh, they were unable to uh, get uh, what should have been the correct call. Point is, Atlanta is playing for their coach, Arthur Smith. And that means whether they're ahead, they're able to maintain the lead or seesaw back and forth with the exception of that New Orleans game. And if they're behind, and we showed that in week two against the Rams, still thought to be a very strong team defensively, even though the Rams have had offensive problems, they didn't in that game. Atlanta has played hard on both sides of the football. I could see this being a tough spot for San Francisco because uh, number one, uh, they haven't been overwhelming in uh, in their wins. Maybe the Ram win was uh, the most overwhelming. And who do they have on deck? The Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I think San Francisco uh, will be happy to get out of Atlanta with a win. I'm not saying Atlanta can't or won't upset the Falcons. I wouldn't be shocked, though I necessarily wouldn't bank on it or even maybe even predict it, except maybe, uh, you know, for a little fun, uh, a little fun play. But I could see the Falcons either being competitive throughout this game or or if they fall behind by 13, 17 points, rally and get under that number as if they have that comfortable lead, the 49ers may very well be looking ahead to next week's rematch, uh, Super Bowl rematch with the Kansas City Chiefs. That's a good point, Andy. brings out the big look ahead in this football game in this contest as well. The Atlanta Falcons playing really good football, being Arthur Smith. He'll take the points with them as San Francisco goes coast to coast in this football game. Yeah, but I believe they're st- uh, they usually stay on the East coast when they have back to back East coast games. I think they stay. If I remember, don't they have a facility in yes. uh, like Youngstown, Ohio? Yep. Yeah. When the DeBartolos own the team, they had, uh, they're from Youngstown, the DeBartolos. So yep. that facility that they had in uh, Youngstown served as their, as their resting point. And it served them well in back-to-back games on the East Coast, but uh, and it's probably going to end up being the case. Why, you know, why change it if it's not broke? So that could well be the case for San Francisco. But good spot here for the Falcons, if you will, with the Niners on deck, especially next week. We'll put Andy down for the Atlanta Falcons for his complimentary play. And remember, go online at thelogicalapproach.com to check out all of Andy's information on one of the best football newsletters in the country. Andy, a great job on the show. As always, once again this week, I'm going to wish you nothing but the very best of luck. And we'll certainly look forward to catching up with you next week here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Thanks, Mark. And I'll be interested to hear how the responses to our new graphics edition to the show. So they don't have to look at my ugly face the entire time that, uh, <laughs> that I'm talking. And I wish everybody really the best weekend possible this weekend. Thank you, Andy. That was Andy Isco joining us from Las Vegas for the Vegas vibe here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. And with that, before we move over to our awesome angle of the week, we've got a complimentary play on tap for you from another playbook experts, our good friend Jim Feist with a complimentary play on the football card this weekend. Jim, if you will, take it away. Hi there, Jim Feist in Las Vegas for playbook experts. Hello, Mark. I know you had a great week last week, as did I. I'm looking forward to a game this week that might be a shocker. Texas opens a 14-point favorite over Iowa State. It's now up to 16, and it might go a little bit higher. We might actually grab a 17 here, and that's the direction I'm going. I'm going to take Iowa State plus the 17. Yes, Texas might be back, but this is a big task. Iowa State doesn't put up many points but they also don't give up many points. Easy for Texas to have a little bit of a letdown after blowing out Oklahoma 49 to nothing. 
and they have big games coming up as well next week. So I'm looking for Iowa State to stay close in this one, and who knows, they might actually pull the upset. Thanks, Mark. Welcome back, everybody. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King for the final segment here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. We'll start it out with our awesome angle, and then Victor and I will share with you our complimentary plays on the football card this weekend as well. As far as the awesome angle is concerned, this week we call it Pick Up Six. And what we're looking to do is to play on any NFL losing team in Game 6 of the season, if they're facing a winning team in Game 6 of the season, if both teams are coming off point spread losses. A loser against the winner, both teams off point spread losses Game 6 of the season. These losing teams have gone 18-6 and six against the spread since 1980. That's a rock-solid 75% winning angle. And it's on the Pittsburgh Steelers. I talked earlier in the show, Victor, about getting a clothespin out. you got to get a clothespin out for the Pittsburgh Steelers this week. (laughs) But they're the kind of ugly dog in the National Football League that tends to do quite well in ugly situations just like this. And with that, I'm going to pass it over to Victor King from King Creole Sports to find out what Victor's got on tap this week. And, Victor, if you would, let our listeners know all about the totals tip sheet. You know, you mentioned it a couple times already, and you're absolutely right. Nobody ever said that profiting in football was easy, was fun, was beautiful. A lot of times you do got to hold your nose if there's value, particularly on an underdog or maybe even an under. And that's kind of the way we're going as well. Uh, Number one, Mark, again, we got to talk about the playbook, triple play newsletters, total tip sheet. The hot midweek alert newsletter, the playbook newsletter, all three of this week's issues for just $25 at the playbooksports.com website. Now, for our service, we got a big one in the NFL this week. It's our four-star NFL over of the week. The great thing is it's, it's already up there. It's posted on the website. When you read the write-up, when you read the analysis, and we do a pretty good job with our write-ups. You're going to want to go right ahead and wager on this particular game. And no, it's not the over in the Chiefs-Bills game. <laughs> it's an entirely different game, a game that you might not actually think about as a potential over. But it is. Uh, we've got some fantastic over-under database information in regards to this game. And again, it's already up on the website, our four-star over of the week in the NFL Uh, Last week's over of the week was in the Saints and the Seahawks game. 70-plus total points in that one. That worked out very, very well. We'll see if we can do that again this particular week. And again, it is up on the website. Number one, again, you're talking about holding your nose. Andy talked about that ugly Thursday game, Commanders and the Bears. Do yourself a favor. Don't watch this game. Take the wife out. Go to the restaurant. (laughs) Go to the casino. You're not missing much in regards to this particular game. If you have to bet it, though, it looks like the under is the play. That's because Thursday non-division games with a low over-under line of less than 41 points have gone 1-10 and over-under since the 2009 season. And that's, that's not my free play of the week, Mark. That's just something we're throwing out there in regards to the Thursday game. Uh Try and get some of those uh, wifey points and take her out instead on Thursday night. You'll be glad you did, particularly with us sitting in front of the TV all day Saturday and all day <laughs> Sunday, right? You got that right. <laughs> so for our 
under of the week in the NFL. Now, we've got a good one in this week's totals tip sheet newsletter. I'm going to leave that for the page three best bets. But there is a game that we're looking at in terms of the under, and it's going to be the Cincinnati Bengals and the New Orleans Saints. And why not? Do you realize that Cincinnati, dating back to last season, has now gone under the total in 10 consecutive games in a row? Yeah. Uh, that's right. Their last five games of last season went under, including all four of their playoff games. And they have started this season, along with the Indianapolis Colts, as an 0-5 over-under team. Zero overs, five unders. So the Bengals are actually 0-10 now over-under in their last two uh, 10 games. Why would you want to fade that? They're playing very, very good defense. They're allowing only 17.8 points per game on the season. Uh, their defense is for real. Not only that, but in terms of offense... Cincinnati has yet to take the collar off their great trio of wide receivers. Their offensive points per game are down by five compared to last year's Super Bowl season. They have yet to release the Kraken when it comes to offense. And at some point they will this season, but this is not the week for that. Uh, now, highlighting this game is something that we came up with out of the database that's been a fantastic under situations or just over the last oh, two to three seasons. And it's the fact that you've got an AFC team laying points on the road against an NFC opponent. Cincinnati is favored by two to three points down to the big easy against the Saints. And here you go from our database, Mark. This has gone one and 18. That's one over 18 unders, 95 percent under the total. AFC road favorites against any NFC opponent when the over-under line is less than 54 points. And, of course, that game certainly qualifies in this particular season. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals have gone 0-7 to the under the last seven times they have visited an NFC opponent. So there you have it. We're somewhere around 43 to 43 and a half points. We're going under the total with the Bengals and the Saints down in the Big Easy for our free play. And, Mark, don't forget our over of the week in the NFL. That's already up at the PlaybookSports.com website. And as I understand it, someone's got a big one in college football this weekend. Yes, I do, Victor. And once again, be sure to get on Victor's big over play, that big four-star winner on Sunday, online now at PlaybookSports.com. Victor mentioned my big play coming up this week. It's our famous five-star college football game of the month. We're documented at 80 and 35 on these plays since 1990. A big winner to open up the season last month when Kansas State won the whole game as a double-digit dog against Oklahoma. We've got another live dog on tap Saturday on this monster college football card. It's a it's a football card. We call it the blockbuster Saturday of the month in college football. You can get it part of a $99 football weekend of winners at playbooksports.com or log on to just get the game alone at playbooksports.com. Pay after you win for my big five-star college football game of the month. And just a quick note from our friends over at mybookie.ag, you can still get on board for their double first deposit promo bonus. Just log on at mybookie.ag. They'll double your first deposit when you use the promo code PLAYBOOK. That's mybookie.ag, promo code PLAYBOOK, to get double your first deposit in time for the games 
this weekend. And with that, my complimentary play on the college football card this week. We've used the last two weeks on the show here, for those that are counting, last week we used Purdue, plus the points against Minnesota. They won the game straight up in straight-up fashion. Or I should say two weeks ago it was Purdue against Minnesota. Last week it was Purdue plus the points against Maryland when they won the game straight up. This week we're hopping off the Purdue bandwagon and we're going to fade the Boilermakers as a favorite this week and take the points with Nebraska against Purdue. We like the doggy in Purdue football games and we'll play the dog in this contest as well. Look at head coach Jeff Braum, the Boilermakers head coach. He's just one and five straight up with no point spread covers when he comes off a straight up underdog win when his teams are 666 or better. Look at this contest in Nebraska. It's a football team here that for some reason, and we went on rants about this, they were favorite in a lot of games this football season that arguably they should not have been. It led to Scott Frost firing. Mickey Joseph is now their new head coach, the interim coach. He's really won over the respect and the command of the players on that football team. We think Joseph gets his players up for this game. We'll play Nebraska plus the points against Purdue for our complimentary play on the show this week. And that's going to put the final wraps in this edition of Mark Lawrence against the spread. I want to thank our co-host Victor King from King Creole Sports, Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas for joining us. And until next week, once again, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always remember to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always. <laughs>